Good morning, everyone. I am Dr. Pam, and welcome back to Parenting Teens with Dr. Pam. And I am Dr. Pam. And today I am joined by Vanita O'Neill. And Vanita is, she works with behavior issues with kids, right? And you have your home, whole dream well coaching. And one of the things that Vanita and I really, there was two kind of big topics that Vanita and I really bonded over and talked over. And that was one, um, just helping our kids with this loneliness and this feeling of isolation and how to help them right now. And the other really big one, if we get time to talk into talk about it today, is pornography and helping kids when we catch them doing that, which I know is a very big issue for boys and girls alike now. So welcome, Benita. How are you this morning? I know it's super early. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So Benita, start off just telling a little bit about who you are and how you got into this profession. Sure. So um, my history is that I am, well, first I'm a mother, I'm a wife, and I am just a woman of God, and I try to carry myself as, as that first. And so I, as a profession, one of the things that I, I do is I am a behavioral health coach. And the reason I got into that field is because I worked as a social worker, a licensed social worker for 12 years. And I got a chance to see some of the gaps that were in the system. And I recognized at that time that there were people who needed services but weren't necessarily receiving the services. So for so many reasons, whether it was long wait times, just frustrated with the system, just um, untrustworthy of, of what they had received in the past. There were so many reasons why people weren't receiving services. Mm -hmm. However, I found that their children really needed some help in that area. And I wanted to help those people because they were falling away from the system, the traditional method of therapy or um, counseling and medication because of poor experiences or all these other barriers mm -hmm. to um, entry. And so what I wanted to do is provide a service um, that didn't have a, um, that had a low barrier to entry that didn't, it was the least intrusive approach to receiving some type of mental health support. And I'm very careful about using support services because support services can mean I have mental health issues, but don't have a disorder. And that's a dis clear distinction in the DSM-5, which I believe is um, not necessarily looked at in that you can be sad and not have depression. You know, your, your child can be hyper and not have ADHD. And so these were some issues I really wanted to help parents with and dealing with just some day-to-day, -day, how do I do this? But I don't want to go this route. So I created uh, Dreamwell Coaching as a result. I went to school for uh, social work and a master's in human services, which is really about problem prevention and remediation of problems. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to help people really solve problems. It was kind of like the life coach before life coaching. So <laughs> I like to think of it in that way because, you know, I, I really wasn't sure which direction I wanted to go until after I was working in the field for so long. And I realized, okay, this is how I, be I believe I can be of service. I think that's so important too, to get into both the preventative, because um, a lot of people don't seek help until it's become such a problem that they're just overwhelmed. And there's so much we can do to prevent getting to that point, to yeah. you know, and that's why I do what I do too. So, and I think also what a great point that just because you don't, you don't have to be diagnosed with something to get help, right? It's yeah. okay to get help, even if you're feeling 
sad, but not overly depressed. You know, people yeah. are like, well, I'm not depressed. So I don't, yeah, it's okay to get help to do yeah. that, right? And and if your life isn't exactly where you want it and your relationships aren't exactly where you want it, they don't have to be so bad. They can be just okay and you want them great. And yes. you can get help. So I love where you're coming from with that. So right now, even the people that were doing really fine a year or so ago are mm -hmm. now going, oh my God, these kids have been home for a year now, <laughs> over a year. I don't, I'm so worried about them. They're locked up in their rooms. We're mm -hmm. not connecting. I don't know what they're doing. Their grades are plummeting. I mean, this is even straight A students, their grades are now like plummeting. Benita, what do we do? Well, I think the first thing for parents, from a parent's perspective, is we truly have to communicate with our children to let them fend for themselves during this time when we as, as adults are struggling is almost, it's just, it's almost neglectful to, to have that stance when we know that it's hard for us. It's okay to hold your child and say, I don't know what to do. And I think that is sometimes missed when we're trying to parent perfectly or we're trying to figure it out ourselves and we kind of forget that our child might be struggling too. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I like to say is just communicate with your child in an open and honest way. And this gives them at least a trust in you that you're not alone. You're not alone. I'm here. Your fears are valid and it's okay to not be okay in this moment. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest thing that I would communicate because as a mother of a teenager and an 11 year old, I have a 16 and 11 year old, mm -hmm. and um, they have questions, you know, they're, they're like, what, you know, I, I don't understand um, from everything from political issues to um, the pandemic to um, just the all of it online, there's so many things online that's happening that's just scary. Um, mm -hmm. And they're, they're kind of stuck in this bubble that's like they can't, where's the release? And so that's another thing that I like to do as a, as a, a parent. What can we do in this moment? This is a conversation. What can we do today? You don't have to, fo you don't have to get too future focused or too, you know, living in the past where you get stuck. You just live in the moment and mm -hmm. just focus and ground yourself. And that's another thing that I like to teach is grounding where you, you start with gratitude and you really just begin to be aware and mindful of what it is you're thinking about, what it is you have, what it is you're grateful for. And you start to remember the things that are most important. Mm -hmm. And so this can be an exercise. It can be a conversation or it can actually be like what this might look like in a, in a day-to-day, a day-to-day place. When I'm feeling these emotions, it might be a verbal, okay, you know what? Yes, I'm not feeling my best, but I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm alive. And I try to tell people to breathe, you know, breath work is so important, mm -hmm. you know, breathe and you just take this couple seconds you need to, to recalibrate and take a deep breath and just let it out. And um, that is a reminder, I'm still alive, I'm still present, and I still have purpose. Um, and these are just some things that practices that I like to do to just get through the day because sometimes it's, it's like minute to minute. 
It's some, you know, sometimes it's, it's more than just a day to day. It's like minute to minute where I need these reminders. It really is. And I, this is really good for us as parents to remember to breathe. We're doing the best we can, right? So giving us some grace and then being able to then extend that grace to our kids who I know a lot, you talk about gratitude and I think, you know, gratitude is, is it literally changes your brain, right? It changes the wiring in your brain. How do we encourage our kids to be grateful when I hear a lot of times people being like, my kid is so ungrateful. Like we use that to describe our kids. They're so ungrateful. They're so unappreciative. They take everything for granted. Um, They're entitled. How do we address that in a way that's productive and effective? Yeah, so that's a that's a big one for when I worked in schools, I saw this a lot. A lot of a lot of parents were and and here's you know, I think that there there needs to be some accountability on both parts. So the child is going to ask for whatever they think they can have and if they or even just the things that they want, but it's up to us as the parent to set boundaries and parameters and say you can have this as here but here is the terms of use if you will. Mm-hmm. Here's the limited um contract and it can be a verbal contract. You have to get off your phone at a, at a specific time. There's a phone curfew. Here is a game time that you can use. Here is the, you know, before we give our child all these things and then say, but they're entitled, but where'd they get it from? You know, where who gave them these things? So this needs to be a real conversation with uh, terms of use. Here is how these are things are going to be used or allowed to be used in this home because I don't want overconsumption and these things taken over. And before they get to be a problem of entitlement, you can sometimes just say no. And, you know, as a parent, I teach parenting by grace. And I think this is a very important issue where we, you know, we, we want our child to not be entitled, but still have all the things, mm-hmm. you know, we have. You know, we need to figure out what it is that we want to do as parents and what message we want to portray. Is it okay to have all the things and not feel entitled? Yes, but how do I want to achieve that? So I think that's a very clear distinction of how you want to use those things in your home. And so I'm very clear about, okay, this is this is the time frame you're allowed to use your phone. Here's the time frame you're allowed to game. Here's the time frame you're allowed to be on the television. Here's when everything goes off in our house. Here's some time I need you to self-reflect or whatever it is. It, it just needs to be a boundary set before it becomes an issue. And so if it's already an issue where the entitlement is already there because they have all the things, so then what do we do now? I think it's important to increase their sense of contribution to the world. And what that looks like is it might be actually going out with them. And I know COVID's an issue, but there's so many ways that we can increase our acts of service to the world without engaging with large groups of people. And what that might look like is let's go to grandma's house and do dishes. Let's go to the, um, in the front yard and sweep up our yard. Let's go to, you know, so we're looking for ways to serve. And that takes our mind off of ourselves. So it's not a self-centered act. It takes our mind off of ourselves and puts it on other people so that they can begin, the child can begin to see that there's more meaning than just what I need, what I want, and what I have. There's more meaning to life. And it's it's an act of of service. Yeah. And there's such such a good feeling and a sense of self-empowerment when we're helping others. Now, one of the things that kind of triggers in my head when you're saying a lot of this, though, is that 
But as soon as we set these boundaries, especially if we haven't had them, or we say, let's go do something, our teenagers are wired to push back. I mean, it's yeah. not that they're trying to be pains in the butt. They are mm-hmm. wired to push back because they need to establish their own boundaries and their own control. And so they feel <laughs> very threatened by that. So how do we make implement some of these changes without making our lives basically hell? Because now we're trying to rein them in or we're trying to, you know, put controls where there weren't controls. And now they're just fighting tooth and nail and their energy lasts far longer than ours. So yeah. Well, I like to think of anything we do that's going to last is good. It needs to be gradual. Mm-hmm. And so this is not an overnight, you need to change your life and you need to do it tomorrow. Like there's, this is not that kind of a conversation. This is, I'm concerned that you are overly consumed with, it's a conversation. It starts with a conversation and mm-hmm. however you need to lead into that conversation, it needs to be um, one of hearing and one of listening. Mm-hmm. And so I think both people should be able to, both the parent and the child should be able to hear one another. Here's my concern. Um, and then also ask the child, what do you need from me in this moment to help in whatever area? Those are healthy questions that allows both people to be heard, but also it's honest. It's, you know, here's my concerns. I I don't want you to be spoiled. And I think these are some things that have developed as you being spoiled and you can, you can go through that, whatever that might be. But that sounds like a start of a conversation. And I think it's okay to ask the child what they need. And it's okay to ask how they would like to express some of these acts of contribution. And that's, that, that to me is the, um, an open, honest hearing and listening conversation where you're able to really grasp the heart of your child. And the, mm-hmm. the parent has the pulse. They understand this is my kid. You know how they've been reared and groomed. You understand how, how they developed this personality. So I think even if you don't know what's going on in their brain currently, having a conversation will reveal a lot, you know, in a, um, a, and, but you have to hear and listen verbally and um, you can physically watch what it is mm-hmm. that they're, they're most interested in by, you know, understanding cues and so forth. The, the listening is such an essential parenting tool that I think is very underused and underappreciated. Yeah. Um, We like to tell and lecture and explain and help and fix and do all these things that they just push back on what they want, what they tell us. They just want us to listen and hear and understand and validate. And that makes our jobs actually easier because we don't have to come up with a solution, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And again, it's so hard to do. Why is it so hard to do? You know, if we had this, that answer, everyone would be fixed. <laughs> so I yeah. wanted to dig a little bit too into, um, I mean, there's just no way around having them online more. No way around it right now. That's how they learn. That's where they yeah. socialize. That's where they get their entertainment. And that is just, you know, it's, it's new to us and it's scary to us because we didn't grow up that way. They've grown up that way. That is their mm. world. And I yeah. think we have so much fear reflected on that, that we, um, you know, spend so much time restricting it. And mm-hmm. I feel like more of it needs to be educating it rather than. Yes. But one of our biggest, biggest fears, and a lot of them have come to light, is 
pornography and people, the, the creepy people out there that now have access to our kids. So let's jump in a little bit. And I know there's probably far more than we can cover right now, but give yeah. us like a tip or two on how do we, how do we handle this, especially if we find out that they are consuming this type of content? Yeah, so I want to be careful about, um, I would be careful about how we approach this topic with our children. And this to me is extremely um, important in how they view sexuality and discuss it with their parents, because it's easy for us to say, this is wrong, don't do it. But that finger wagging usually has some type of retaliation, some pushback. So I think it's important that we do not, um, we do not condemn them for the behavior because condemnation says you're bad mm -hmm. as opposed to a conviction that says um, the behavior is not healthy or the behavior is not good. And this here's why. And I believe this also begins with a true um, safety brief. Let's just discuss how we can be safe in this virtual world of just, you know, unknowing, because really we just don't know. And that's really the, where the fear comes from. I don't know that you are being as safe as you can be because you're exposing all of your deepest secrets to perfect strangers. And I don't know that that is safe. And I recently joined the app TikTok <laughs> and uh, yeah, I have a 16 year old. It's addictive. It it is. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, um, I have a 16 year old and she showed me how to use it. And I said, mm, maybe I can share some light. And what it, these kids are teaching me more than what, I mean, it's, it's. Oops, we lost her for a second. Hopefully she, there you are. And that it really feels like you know, it really feels like our children are overly exposed to this information. So, so to, to try to tiptoe around it is not the proper approach. This is what's out here. This is what, what people are doing. Let's talk about it. Here's how to keep yourself healthy. And then that education piece is so important. You can't, as parents, you know, to talk to a 16 year old boy, it's much different than talking to a 16 year old girl. And mm -hmm. it's, not, it's, it's very scary. It's like, how do I want to approach this topic from a parent's perspective? Honestly, is, is, the, is the best way to do it. Approach it honestly. Here's my fears. And here's how you need to keep yourself uh, safe. And here's what the boundary is. You have to set an expectation. Now, I think it's very unrealistic to say, don't do it, you know. That is just not, most kids are going to find a way around it if they really want to do it. Because oh, yeah. of the amount of time that they get to spend online. The images are popping You made up. it more appealing to them by saying don't do it, right? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time hearing you. I think the audio, something weird went on with the audio. Oh, got it. Oh, there you are. Yay, you're back. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. Yeah. We don't want to miss any of this. Okay. So. Yeah. 
on with- So I was just saying, <laughs> go ahead. No, no, I was saying continue on. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, and I just think it's a very unrealistic expectations for us to to put on our child when we can't control the amount of images that are that are filtered through their social medias. And if they're on, if you're allowing them to access TikTok, so if you only give them two hours a day on TikTok or even just screen time, period, if let's just say 30% of the time these images are popping up or you see these, these different um, images of things that are coming up or even being searched out. Let's just be honest, kids are seeking it. And, and you know, how do we control that? I think the biggest thing as parents that we can do is if you, uh, if you don't wanna take the device from them, which a lot of times parents are saying, I'm not saying you can't have it, it's just how you're using it. Then mm -hmm. it needs to be a talk about education and communicating how this can potentially develop into a problem. And I think, you know, because pornography is a $96 billion industry, we can't be, um, we have to be aware of how there are our children are are targeted on on some of these apps and just truly just drawn in by i mean the ads you can't even watch a commercial these days without some sexual innuendo so it's mm -hmm. very you know you have to be um i think very realistic but also honest and educate um about how you want your child to be using these things these apps that they're being exposed to these um these sexual images and then also be aware that you know as teenagers, their sexual hormones are in overdrive, you know, and if we are not, if we are not honest about what to do when we are feeling these urges or these feelings, then it can become perverted. It can become a thing of shame. It can become um, something that's unhealthy when it's natural to feel this way. And, but I didn't know what to do with these, these, these feelings. So I just did what, what I needed to do to release my, my frustrations. So what do I do now? That is where the education and conversation needs to come in because here's where the adult says, oh, I understand what you're feeling. Here's what, here's how you can, here's one thing you can do to, to just feel like you're open enough to talk to me about it. And, um, appropriate use of social media does not mean just searching out all these, you know, inappropriate images. There are controls. And another thing, having worked with um, juvenile male sex offenders, mm. I was a counselor for two years. And one of the things that I learned from them was a lot of the things that they were falling into was a result of unchecked behavior. Um, there was no boundaries being set on um, whether it was the social media or who they were around or who they were allowed to talk to. And so it became increasingly um, more dangerous as they began to see the images and then crave the images and then act on the images. And then, you know, so it just became increasingly worse. And I realized, you know, the, the child pornography uh, industry is extremely out of control and there is consequences for that type of behavior. So understanding that you think you're just looking at an image, but if you don't recognize that this is a, 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 a excuse me, a youth, it is um, against the law. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's things that we have to be very aware of. So 
safety, education, communication. I can't say it enough. It's huge. We have to prepare our children for the, to live in this very real world. And what that looks like is giving them the best that you have by talking to them about what you know. And if we're not willing to do that, we can't expect them to make the best decisions. They haven't been taught. Yeah. I think that is so key. It's the it's the education part. I think our fear and our instinct is just take away, you know, to restrict, take away, you know, kind of shame a little bit because we we're shaming in a place of wanting them to stop, right? Yeah. We're hoping, well, if I shame them, they're going to not want to do it, but it just shames them. <laughs> it doesn't stop them. Um, it just makes them feel ashamed of doing it or wanting to do it and taking <laughs> away doesn't teach them how to do it better and they're going to yeah. find us anyway. I mean, yeah. they are way more tech savvy than <laughs> yes. So oh, yes. us taken away is not taken away. It's just basically having them fear talking to us now. It's shutting yeah. that door. So I just, I think the boundaries is essential, but they only work, like you were saying, when they are paired with education and acceptance and listening. Right. Yeah. So I think that is so, so key. Yeah. So Vanita, before we go, and mm -hmm. I feel like there's so much more that we need to talk about, so we'll have to do this again, but um, how can people find you? Okay. If you would like to, I'm sure a lot of people would like to learn more about you and what you do. Yeah. So um, I'd love to, um, to share more. Um, however, the uh, best way to find me, I communicate probably daily on Instagram at Dreamwell Coaching. And I, um, I do have a Facebook page at Dreamwell Coaching. I have a TikTok at Dreamwell Coaching and um, a YouTube channel at Dreamwell mm -hmm. Coaching. And so um, I'm pretty, if you Google Dreamwell Coaching, I'm sure you will find one of those um, social media outlets to find me on. But if you want to reach me personally, you can email me at um, dreamwellcoaching at gmail.com. Perfect. I'll put all that information in here. And okay. before we go, any parting words that you would like to share with us? Yes. Let's love on our babies. Let's not give up on them. Mm -hmm. As parents, we have been given the gift and honor to raise them in the best way that we can so that they can be the best adults that they can be. And showing love in spite of their behavior unconditionally um, really gives them the solid foundation that they don't have to try to do anything to try to work for it or find it outside of their their unit, their family. So love on them. That is, couldn't think of a better thing to say. I love that so much. Thank yeah. you so much for jumping on and joining me sure. again so early in the morning for you. I really appreciate it. And yeah. thank you everyone for jumping on and joining us too. And have a beautiful, wonderful, calm day.